Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everybody. We're back because uh, the guy I'm going to have on today, Drew. Who's always on now? Um, as, the guy, uh, the guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, look, today we're going to discuss the Manti Teo documentary that's on Netflix. It's part of the Untold series on Netflix. The first two episodes are about Manti Teo. I'm just going to read the description from Netflix since I think most of you listening probably understand and know at least most of the Manti Teo story. Uh, this is what he says. This is what Netflix says. Born into a Hawaiian paradise, All-American football standout Manti Teo leads a simple life summed up in just three words, faith, family, football. We've heard those a lot, Drew. Uh, College football's golden boy could do no wrong, but when tragedy strikes, the increased scrutiny of his online relationship causes a media maelstrom that threatens his future and legacy, featuring in-depth interviews with Manti Teo and the person behind the online identity, Renaya Naya. Tuiasa Sopa. So uh, let's uh, let's roll the intro music. All right, Drew. You and I both watched both of these episodes on the Netflix documentary, and. I'm going to ask you, what what was your initial reaction to everything you learned in the documentary? And what was any of it a shock to maybe perceptions that you had beforehand? Shocking? I'm not totally sure about that one just yet. I think I'm still digesting it just a bit. But yeah. what was interesting about it is that I'm not someone that generally follows these kinds of salacious sort of pop culture of the moment kinds of stories right i mean you and i we'll go back and forth a little bit but i mean it captures our imagination for 20 minutes before the next thing comes about yeah so i don't get overly invested in it and this actually in the moment was one that i was pretty interested in yeah probably because it it hits you know 
the right in the sweet spot of the Venn diagram of it was related to football. It was related to Notre Dame, which I have like a general distaste for as mm-hmm. far as how much bandwidth they seem to suck up in the college football space relative to how good they actually are. Right. And a, well, a, a player too, who was right in the middle of the same uh, kind of sweet spot of, in my view, maybe not being as good as everyone was sort of pretending he was. Yeah. So, that he was, yeah. Uh, that he was being allotted for, uh, for being this incredible football player, uh, and, and and how much of the story of him and his girlfriend that had died, um, had to do with his his Heisman Trophy. I right. look. I'll say I've always got a natural skepticism of really good college inside linebackers because right. that are on really good college defenses because they get a lot of stuff funneled to them. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, some sometimes they end up being Ray Lewis. But more times than not, they end up being guys that aren't quite as fast as they need to be, and they can't get that same kind of production in the NFL. So that's I was looking at it from that perspective, too. And I think that that's one thing that this documentary does, which is I think they without coming right out and saying it, I think they make it look like Manti struggled in the NFL just because he was so traumatized by this experience where I think it was more complicated than that. I totally agree. Yeah, I think that I think that, you know, as all these documentaries are wont to do, they have to, I don't even want to say they have to, but they tend to lean into simplifying yeah. what otherwise is a pretty complicated story, right? So they like yeah. they really want to use that as a crutch to just make it a little easier to digest. When in reality, you know, I think most people probably were realizing that he that story certainly didn't help his brand. Yeah. But he wasn't drafted. You know, first overall, for a lot of reasons that weren't just because of that. It was more than just threat. Right. So, okay. So this is the the big revelation from all of this for me to back up a little bit. For anybody that hasn't seen it and doesn't care about spoiler alerts, because this is going to be all spoiler alerts here. Um, Rona Haya, uh, Rona Haya Sopo. Right? Is that pronouncing her name right? His name? Um, yeah, yeah. You're you're coming that, to the wrong person for that, that, expertise <laughs> on Polynesian, complicated Polynesian multi-vowel names. That was the that was the original uh Ronahaya Ronaya Ronaya? Okay. Renaya. Renaya. Renaya Tuyasopo yeah. was the original kid that had catfished Manti Teo. In the documentary, you learn very early in the documentary that uh, that 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 is now Naya Tuyasopo. He's trans- trans- uh, transitioned into a woman. So uh, it's now Naya Tuyasasopo. So I think just that, which makes it easy. I think we'll just call we'll call her Naya. Um, mm-hmm. and just know that if we're saying Naya, we're talking about Renaya who transitioned to Naya. Um, and that's that's a shock to everybody or a surprise to everybody who in this documentary as they're interviewing Manti Teo and his family, they're not aware of it either. They explained right. that early on. So none of the people in the documentary are aware that the, the Naya has transitioned into a woman. And the part that I didn't realize and didn't know, and I guess I'd never followed up on was I kind of always thought that it had been some kind of a conspiracy to get Manti Teo and that somehow this was a prank played by Renaya. And I think I thought that like, I did think that there were actually like two or three other people that Renaya mm-hmm. was working with because at the time it was so confusing when all that was coming out. When it turns out right. like, no, it was just Renaya and all these other people were uh, the, the, the Linnae was the 
uh, the alter ego and like Renaya was there as like one of the accessory characters even though it was Renaya playing Linnaeus it's very confusing so no i agree that was that was kind of my take too is i thought maybe it was two or three people that were working together to make it make it happen yeah i thought it was all a setup or it, it seems like it seems like naya uh is was always felt that you know she was trapped in the wrong uh, body the wrong um identity all that and mm-hmm. then she would reach out to people online and inform these relationships but then cut them off when it came time to to get to know somebody so with with manti she did the same thing except that it's manti teo i think from her perspective she's saying she fell in love with him um and i kind of there was part of me that was really starting to feel a lot more empathy for her than i would have thought until you get to the part where like mm-hmm. where she decides that the best thing to do to break it off is that on the day that Manti Teo, yeah, uh, yeah. The, the, the day Manti Teo's grandmother dies, she also fakes her own death. That was Correct. that was the part where I lost it and I didn't know, okay, whatever whatever your reasoning is or however you were motivated for this, that's about the most messed up thing you possibly could have done. Uh, like under no matter what in and she, I guess, to her credit, admits that and says it was awful and she doesn't want to do it. No, why she did. But it, it makes me skeptical of her, her other intentions. And the fact that she also kind of continued to torment him afterwards when it, was, yeah. when it got any worse. Okay. So did you feel, did, did you have to kind of reassess your understanding of the situation in the I, same way? You know, I, I did insofar as to the point where you first mentioned where it really was the brainchild of one person and executed by one person. Right. So now you're kind of looking at it through that lens. And that also means that the sole accountability and responsibility for the entire cluster F of a situation rests with just Naya. Right. And so it became a matter of how bad do I really feel? So, you know, kind of midway through that first episode, they're playing the music and they're going through the cuts and the edits and trying to generate, I think a level of empathy yeah. for the, for the viewer. And to be totally honest, I, I was flirting with it, but I never got there <laughs> because yeah. at every point that was remotely pivotal where she could have either not even come clean, but just stopped, just moved on to something else. She instead dialed it up another notch. Yeah, and made it more about her, brought yep. more attention to herself, made it more. And I'm like, now this is someone who, even as you know, a decade later, however long it's been about that, um, where you're thinking, okay, is this someone who's reconciled fully with what they've done? The answer was, oh no, I felt bad. I realized that I didn't do something right. But then they try. She tries to rationalize it and tries to be like, well, yeah, but I really loved him, or yeah, but I just knew he had so much stress. He had so much going on that he didn't. And I'm like, nah, this is you weren't making those decisions in that moment. Right. Because you cared. Yeah. Yeah. You were doing it for the exact wrong reason, which was because you wanted to exploit the attention. You wanted to be part of this. It it just it rings like hollow to me and someone who still has definitely not completely appreciated just how much they threw everyone's world into chaos. Yeah, she really messed him up. Okay. Oh, man. I, yeah. Th- now, Manti Teo, it's funny because it seems like there was so much reaction um, from people who definitely were, like, super harsh at the time or, you know, thought mm-hmm. that Manti was in on it or something. The one guy, the one guy that actually kind of annoyed me uh, when he tweeted this out, Thor Nystrom, who's some kind of sports media guy, he said, we all owe Manti Teo an apology. 
And I that that annoys me because I think that assumes that everybody thought that Manti was in on it or that right. they were just making fun of him relentlessly. At the time, I actually stood up for Manti Teo somewhat. I made Manti Teo jokes, don't get me wrong. Um, but I actually come out of this documentary kind of a little less sympathetic for him just because there were points along the way where yes. easily, for one, it's very clear in the documentary that he was not all that into Naya by the time of her supposed death, mm-hmm. like or by the time of Lene's death. Right. Like he was, uh, that was, and that was a, a point of strife within the relationship. So I don't know how it happened and which PR people at Notre Dame realized how much this could blow up and be a good thing for Manti Teo. Um, but he really, I got the, the, like framing it as his girlfriend dying as opposed to framing it as just a close friend of his dying or something. Cause she was, I'm not buying oh, that yeah. he thought of her as his girlfriend at that point no, I'm at not all. Either. Like no. he was talking about how he wasn't happy. He wasn't returning her calls and he was off, you know, enjoying all this attention that he was getting. So he uh he comes off in this documentary like kind of like the the weird bewildered facial Simpleton. expression that he always had in college yeah that's how he got like it, at the beginning and, and by the way right now he's like devastatingly handsome he's just, he looks like a completely different guy he's got uh, his yeah. hair is all quaffed up he's got a chiseled face this uh this documentary did good things for the manti teo brand currently but yeah. when he was in high school he's this huge star in hawaii he gets a scholarship off to USC. It's his dream to go to USC. His father says, look, they just play on it first. <laughs> so he's saying, uh, okay, Heavenly Father, please, you know, I just want to be yeah. sure. Give me a sign if not. And then his sign from God about whether or not he should go to USC is when he runs into his mentor. Yeah. And his mentor says. Uh, who, was with, who was part of the church too, right? I Wasn't think that it? so. It was, I yeah. was a little bit unclear of that. Yeah. And, like in Polynesian culture, they, they, they call each other. They, right. Um, they call guys they respect uncle, uh, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. nephew. So he kind of calls him uncle. So he's got that kind of a relationship with him. Um, but the, the, the mentor says something to the effect of, well, you could go to USC and be, you know, just another one of the great Polynesian football players that's played at USC, or you could go to Notre Dame and be the only Manti Teo or the only, uh, or the first Manti Teo because, because no Polynesian kids, <laughs> in their right mind from from Hawaii want to go yeah. to a Catholic school in the right. Midwest, right? Yeah. Right. So so he goes to Notre Dame and he's miserable. He's awful. He's he just he he's lonely. He just feels isolated. And the whole time I'm thinking, this is what my thought is. I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but my mind went to, okay, well, like somebody paid that dude, right? A hundred percent. Notre Dame like, or at least got a, vo- a voice uh, in his ear. An alumni. Like, I, I feel yeah. like I mean, because that story, that's a story right. as old as time or at least college football. When the, yeah. the trusted mentor gets a bag from, yes. from a booster or something. Like out of and, blue chips. Yeah, like, like I was kind of yeah. hoping that was going to go somewhere in the documentary because Manti, so, like, I don't know. Maybe I don't know enough about religion, Drew, but I always thought like a, a sign from God is usually an act of nature or some extreme coincidence or something. It's not like the guy you, you respect giving you advice. Like how, right. how hard is that to interpret? That's not God giving you a mysterious message or, you know, sending it down on the wings of an angel. That's like a dude you already know telling you, Hey, you should go to Notre Dame sign from God. Well, that's why like, if, if you, you can't really fully appreciate this documentary um, objectively, if you're not, 
taking into account that like he's he's a simpleton and and you're and they're ignoring the, the documentary almost completely ignores the fact that he is a pretty simple guy in yeah. my view from what you see and that religion and faith is a huge piece of how he was able to be completely objectified I mean, because oh, yeah, th- that's what happened. Notre Dame, uh, like kind of lifting him up. On... Notre Dame putting, making him a messiah, a mentor yeah. for the entire program. His own, what looks to me like I don't, I'm happy to just be a total armchair uh, therapist over here. Yeah. But like, he's got like a weird messiah complex going on where every decision he makes has these epic ripples that just emanate out to the rest of the world around him. Uh-huh. And, you know, to yeah, still extent, to this I get, day, I get why but still, right. Like, still, it, like at the end of it, the yeah. end of it, like we'll jump to the end. It's he, he basically has learned to deal with this by yes. Understanding <laughs> that he needs to be a beacon to all these people. And he has to Correct. ignore yeah. the people who might've sent memes about him or are there to make fun of him, which I get, I understand Look, it's, I'm not I'm not downplaying how hard it must be to deal with something not like this, no. but I do think it's a lot harder for him because he does view himself the way you're describing. Like, exactly. So it's not exactly. a Bill Buckner moment where like, ah, oh, no. crap, this sucks. And I'm going to hear about it the rest of my life. It's a I was the chosen one. And and now yeah. look how far I've fallen. I feel like it, it, it wasn't it wasn't acknowledging the humility, maybe that would be the help in my view, the healthier way to kind yeah. of. Yeah move through it it's instead saying no you know what it is i actually did impact these people in the most prolific way possible <laughs> yeah. and it's like oh man i don't know if that's actually the right way either i do think i think he needs to learn how to laugh about it a little bit like, dude if you Sense can't recognize that if you can't recognize yeah. the humor in this situation that's why i get uh yeah. for, for all the people acting like they need to make apologies or they need uh they, no. they, oh shame on us shame on us for turning this hilarious situation into an hilarious situation dude it's freaking hilarious there's no denying the humor in this situation in the concept of the stud football player having an invisible girlfriend this is what every (laughs) like every kid in who died who died by the way who died every every kid in high school who feels a little insecure or whatever makes up his invisible girlfriend that goes to another school like that's why it's so funny is that this is this is the captain of the football team doing what like the most insecure kid that uh that just doesn't want people to know and it it didn't happen it didn't happen for a month right this didn't go on for three weeks this went on for years and he didn't tell it. it ended in her dying. Yeah. And then I'm sorry, being resurrected, which is Dude. the biggest spoiler alert. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, okay, this Messiah complex gets deeper then too. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up um, how long it went on. And I know the way I presented it, it was like he made her up. He didn't, he didn't make her up. But that's, right, right, that was, right. that's, the, like, that's the dynamic that's funny about it. Um, yeah. But the fact that you can tell as his parents, as his best friend, as these yes. other people are talking yeah. about the situation, there was definitely a part of them that held back from saying, Manti, yeah. what the fuck? Like, no, dude, you haven't even met her. What the hell is wrong with mm-hmm. you? There was a part of them that held back because they viewed Manti as the chosen one. They're like, Completely. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, I don't know. He's they all of, were um, complicit. Everyone in that bubble say, was complicit. I don't want to say meal ticket like in a financial way. But I mean, like an emotional meal ticket where like this is the guy who's like, we're we're riding on his chariot. We got to like, let's not talk about the emperor having no or no real girlfriend. We just got to. They seem to me like they they, like we've had teammates like this, right? Where you have this teammate or someone in your bubble who you just kind of know is just maybe they're a little out to lunch. Like they're not fully there. And you know them well enough to appreciate that they function best in a certain kind of headspace or a certain kind of way. And they all kind of knew, Hey, he just tends to do well when he's (laughs) kind of got someone on the periphery who's maintaining his interest and he's not going out. Like, what is he doing with his social life there anyway? So they're just like, look, it's keeping him happy. Like, let's just kind of keep this guy. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I have had friends like that. And you kind of just go, look, this isn't the kind of guy if you're if he's the sort of person that's susceptible to that kind of influence. Yeah, you're not going to fix it by explaining to him that it's like he's already in a in a big way going to struggle. So I think uh, you know. the part of it, too, is that we're kind of in a time in society when as Manti and a few other people say they, they weren't familiar with the term catfish at the time. I don't think I was familiar with the term catfish. I was aware of fake online personas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um but there was that there was, I think, the reality that a lot of dip- people had meaningful. That was when people were first starting to have meaningful online relationships where, OK, wow. Yeah, somebody yeah. can mean a lot to you emotionally without actually being physically present. So in the murkiness of all that and, you know, a generation gap of parents not quite knowing how their kids are doing things or dealing with things and and they're living 3000 miles away. That part is that part is understandable. Where I did empathize with Manti is if I put myself in that situation when people are saying things about you that, and I'll say this, like even when he knew that, even when he, even when he thought that Lene was real, 
I feel like he should have known or understood that, wow, people are making this into something much larger than it was. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. but it seems to be working out pretty well for me. So yeah. what do I do? And that's before, that's before he knew she was fake. Like, how do you, how do you actually, how do you actually say like, Hey everybody, by the way, thanks for all the sympathy and support. Um, but I actually, uh, you know, we were kind of on the outs anyway, and I never yeah. actually met her. So you know, I, I back off a little bit. Well, and it goes back to that moment where it sounded, I, tell me if you think this was your, your impression of how it went, but it seemed like maybe that's what he was doing. Yeah. And then uh L- Lene? Yeah, Lene, quote unquote, Lene sensed that he was pulling away and then invented a horrific car accident and cancer. That's right. Yeah. To pull yeah. him back in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And what was interesting is that he, back to the Messiah thing, maybe, is that he in that moment decided to instead of evaluating the situation for what it clearly was, he looked at it as an opportunity to be that much more of a messiah because he he goes and he describes in detail how she just kept saying his name and speaking to him brought her back it was to life. just it was it just brought her him. back to it was just him that yeah. brought, that really called her back from the other side it was yeah. just kind of like so dramatic as to be insane that's the part though there i was a little bit i didn't quite get and this speaks to what you're saying about how documentaries they have to simplify things because they you know compress years down into two hours right so I think that the fact that two things were happening. One, she had been in that accident. She was the guy that he would, she would respond to. Mm-hmm. Lene, you know, quote unquote, Lene uh, would only respond to his voice. But at the same time, also, that was in the same time frame, seemingly when he was pulling away from her and she couldn't get a hold of him. So I don't know how much of, I don't know how much to believe about him saying that he was on the phone with her every day or for extended periods of time or anything. I don't know how much of his, uh, if, whether it's him actively misportraying it or just not really keeping a good memory well, of events, like, like he's, how it's tw- he's twenty, right? He's probably yeah. like nineteen, twenty. Playing he's football, playing football, you know, going, going to, to Notre Dame, not going out, not doing anything else. Yeah. So he's probably pretty dialed into it. And then at the same time, I could see where he's like, okay, she doesn't want to meet. Yeah. She doesn't want to actually see me. There's always issues with FaceTime. Yes, I'm an idiot. But also, you know, what if I eventually want to see my girlfriend and then she gets in a car accident be, quote, yeah. quote, to to pull him back in. But when was the car accident? Was the, I thought the car accident was still I thought he started treating her like dismissively even after the car accident. Like it was uh, yeah. it, it's because this was a several year relationship. too. Yeah, I think right. One you're of the right. misconceptions you're I right. had, I think, was that they must have that it must have all happened over the course of a few in like months six or months or something. Yeah. yeah same yeah. where it was like, they had actually had a long-term deal. I don't know how she kept up with the, the story that it was a bad internet connection or oh. any of those oh, things. Yeah. Like <sighs> anytime they would try to FaceTime. Right. Unless she just, right. maybe she just said that they lived in a real rural area or something. But and, you can see that. I mean, it's like if they're all in that bubble and he knows what he, sorry, she, knows yeah. what his world looks like uh-huh. and how to manipulate kind of the nuances of the Polynesian culture and faith yeah. and everything else. Yeah, that's true. She, you can really leverage, you can get a lot of mileage out of forcing someone to have to confront you about your, your dishonesty because they don't want to do that. They, right. they don't, you're, you're using that faith to, to, you know, kind of um, 
to make them uncomfortable with confrontation. That's you know, where, so. yeah, and that's what a lot of people just because, you know, my brother through rugby knows a lot of Polynesian guys. Uh, oh, you know, yeah. He's played and coached um, a lot of Polynesian guys. And then, you know, you and I through football know, uh, know several at least Polynesian guys. And it's that was kind of a common theme um, that I would hear from those guys as we talked to it about is just the, 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 the dynamic of family and trust and being dependable mm-hmm. and everything in in the in a lot of Polynesian culture is just so strong that it's really hard to understand Manti's feeling of obligation necessarily unless you grew up in that. So yeah. so that part of it, uh, it's I it's I, I'm trying I'm trying not to be too harsh on Manti, but I think there <sighs> there's a little bit here because I know what you're going through because you already had that same feeling like okay people are making too much out of this kid as a football player back then. Right. And, and now, now, now I can see you feeling it being extended to, all right, wait a second. People are letting Manti off the hook a little too uh, much. I mean, this. a bit like yeah. it's, it's the, I, I'm, I'm just also, you know, it's one of these things where we've seen so many of these documentaries now yeah. that have a tendency to sort of, um, you know, either rebrand or, you know, what's, what's the word like kind of re- refresh someone's image. Right. right? And and I'm and I'm, and I don't necessarily think that's exactly what this is doing, but it isn't fully acknowledging the, the some of the he's complicit. In no, this it, stuff yeah, to and, the and little, you know how they're doing you know, it. You know how they're doing it. That's messed up. Is they're making it look like people universally thought yes, that this was correct. a hoax. Yeah. by yeah. by Manti Teo. They're right. making it. They framed it almost like all of the media and sports media mm-hmm. were we're saying that Manti concocted this hoax. And that is not the way I remembered it at all. No. And I think there was, now there were questions initially. Those, and, and even, that's how the documentary does it. Even some of the bigger names that they use, some of the people they show, it's them asking the question, like, okay, well, wait a second. Did, was Manti in on this? Is he, like, right. did, uh, and then when they found out that Naya was a male, uh, you know, was, okay, well, is Manti gay? Was the actual original? So they're asking these questions, but that was in the initial moments or, you know, the first few days or weeks when there really wasn't a lot of information about it. And part of that's because Deadspin wanted to get the Deadspin oh, wanted yeah. to get the scoop. And you and I think feel the same way about this. Deadspin and Deadspin in their role in this story is one that it feels like Deadspin tries to. And this was how I felt about Deadspin at the time, back when they were a viable website, was that they tried to make themselves out as being a little bit no- more noble than they actually were. Like they like to present right. themselves as right. fighting for truth, honesty, you know, free from spin, free from uh, favors given to them by athletic uh, organizations. But they also they're kind of just like trolls who wanted to break things. And and that's how they come off in this story. I don't mm-hmm. think they, they treated it as delicately or with as much of a demand for accuracy as, as they act like they did. I, I agree. And I kind of, I felt that way too. I felt like, you know, even the way it's presented, it's a bit like, you know, it came from a hot tip line that essentially came out of nowhere and it, we're going through it. And the way it's presenting some of the, um, <laughs> you know, like when you watch, some some of these movies like it's like all the president's men or spotlight where they're, they're just you know nonstop dedication to the journalistic cause and they're reaching out to all these people and I'm like kind of seems like they just were googling where <laughs> they were doing a reverse the, image search the car accident was with a reverse <laughs> oh. image search it didn't feel that rigorous well, to me I sort of was like well I could find out if this woman died very that, quickly ten years ago yeah, it wouldn't I, be well, that hard no no see that's where okay. 
because I disagree with you on that. I think I think that if that just by virtue of them doing that and it only being as the one as the one researcher said, you know, it wasn't this huge team or anything. It was an organization with eight total employees and mostly it was right. me and this other guy going back and forth with each other with text. I think it displayed that how little actual yeah, how, work had been little, done. Right. The, uh, and so all these other news organizations with these vast resources never bothered once to like figure yeah. out like, hey, where is this Lene Kaku? And maybe we could interview her family. Because right. I'm guessing at least some of those organizations thought tried to interview Lene Kakua, the false identity, Lene Kakua's family, or mm. tried to get that angle on the story and couldn't find her. So, like, what did they do? Like, somebody out there, there had to be been several people who were sitting out there on that story wondering exactly what You're was right. going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then especially, well, especially when they, especially when they, like, were just, there really was an almost nonstop campaign to promote how how sympathetic the whole entire situation was and put Manti in this light that right. was it's 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 how he got the Heisman I mean I, I I'll well, he say didn't get it. It. he I got second like, he got second, I'm sorry, so, second. How, yeah I, what I didn't mean get it I mean yeah. it's how he got the all the notoriety yeah. going into it all of the attention all of the I mean I almost want to feel like it's kind of why Notre Dame kept getting placed so high in all the polls like I was just like I know they're that. Not that good guys. I like, know, I know. they're just not. They're it just really, not. It's, it, it was. It, well, this myth of Manti Teo, the, the linebacker, I really like, I would watch him and, and I just, I didn't get what the, all this, uh, astonishment over his skill was. It really like, yeah. he looked like a middle linebacker. You see him all the time. They're, they're super, they get high football IQ, good mm-hmm. technique, you know, but they're playing on a team where, Guys, you know, guys are covered. Uh, quarterbacks are trying to throw into uh, into zone Tight covers windows. with yeah. well covered receivers, and he knew how to get into lanes. And he was making a lot of tackles because he had a good front seven around him. But he just didn't look fast at all. And no. And, no. and so it was very easy though. Once that narrative dynamic, was built, yeah, yeah, yeah. So once that narrative was built, it was easy to to pretend to yourself like, oh wow, so it must be because of all the stress of this. Uh, of him not playing football well that or uh, of, of all this other stuff that he right. stopped playing football well and apparently couldn't run in a in a straight line for 40 yards fast because uh because he was duped by an error which you know i mean let's yeah. be real i think you and i both have been on the record multiple times kind of dismissing how relevant sometimes the 40 oh. can be and all those things but it's like it it does support the what your eyes see you know during the games right, right. i mean it passes well, that he ran out. Let me see what, because uh, like honestly, for okay, there's a there's a slow forty time, but then there's hey, you're the best inside linebacker in the country. What'd you run in the forty? Four point eight two. Like that's come yeah. on. I yeah. mean that's that's slow. That's, that's fast <laughs> offensive lineman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I for mean, somebody that's being talked about like he's Ray Lewis or something. Totally. There's yeah. the there's the Jerry Rice for what? Okay, quick uh, quick tangent. So Jerry Rice in his four seven forty, that gets cited a lot. I gotta feel like anything from the nineteen seventies and no, early eighties is still like was that? I don't think he went to the combine or anything. That no. had to have been somebody on a on like not a hand timer, just a hand timer, but like the one with the the, the dial and everything. You know, yes, the yeah, the, the the yeah where you click An it analog, like uh, uh, yeah, mechanical, analog, yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. yeah, so I okay, I feel this is what I feel about Manti Teo. I feel like he needs to actually take 
even though at the end of the documentary, he acts like he had never forgiven himself. And then he realized he had to forgive himself, which suggests that he had been taking, if anything, too much ownership of the situation. Correct. I don't think he's ever actually taken ownership of the situation. And I think he's got to at some point acknowledge, okay, these memes are funny because (laughs) there's there's just some funny shit man from from this dude those people but i'm telling you i mean especially people in that space and i just mean you know really engage with the church and in faith really engage with that that culture specifically and everything else that's kind of self deep self-reflection with also like a strong sense of humor is rare i mean they just don't really want it because if you go that deep and you're really looking at it now you got to ask some even harder questions like, um, wow, am I not actually a messiah? Oh, is there is that even a thing? I mean, it's just like that's real uncomfortable for those guys. And on top of that, like something that I, I get why it's uncomfortable in the documentary didn't really even want to parse with it at all other than showing that people were hypothesizing about it. But his sexuality. Yeah, I, I don't care one way or another. Well, whether, you know, whether he's gay or uh-huh. I think. Most people actually don't give a shit if Monta, Manta Teo is gay. And it, and it really wasn't, you know, because it, people are acting like, oh, yeah, back in what year was it? 2012? 11, maybe? Yeah, oh, 12. yeah, back in 2011 or 12, that was the kind of stuff that people talked about. It. Like, <laughs> right. no, everybody was pretty clued in, like, about everything at that. That wasn't right. That wasn't 1967. No, it was like John Wayne being interviewed about Manti Teo. (laughs) They treated it pretty delicately, you know. They did. I don't remember it being that. Now, don't get me wrong. People, there's, there's a lot of people out there in the world, and they say some terrible things, and they're on the internet, and that's how it works. But the broader conversation that really was paying attention to it, it wasn't like he was relentlessly being bashed for being gay. It's a pretty natural thought. To, right. to believe that, like, this is a dude who found a convenient beard. Yeah. He never had to talk. Like, that's not Especially a, a super religious story. Right. And it was like, yeah. they're, they're asking that question. Like, or or maybe some people had that theory because you're finding out right. that, oh, he was having an online relationship with, uh, a, a, like, a relatively seemingly, at least from the photos, like a masculine looking guy um, yes. that yeah. was pre- presenting himself as a woman. And that was where some of the disbelief came in. I guess people couldn't believe that Renaya was the actual one doing those voices and everything. He demonstrates, right. Renaya did demonstrate to Dr. Phil. Um, so so <laughs> weird, by the way. Yeah. That whole sequence was so weird. <laughs> the whole Dr. Phil part. Oh my, that was, that's where it kind of turned into like, oh, this, I don't remember it being quite this weird. Because like, it crossed I, over into mainstream. And yeah. when it hits like daytime television and everything, you don't, that that's completely out of our worlds. Right. Because we kind of, right. I think you and I are similar in that when it comes to this soap opera type stuff, we don't necessarily get all too clued into it in the sports world unless it's a really compelling story. But we're definitely not like following all the in touch magazines and or people uh, topics and everything. So that like I don't think we realized quite how big it got or the fact that it was on the no, night. No, I, I did you know? not remember any of that. I don't remember them talking really even to Renaya as yeah. like I don't remember that you know her doing those interviews or anything else or that entire piece of it. It was, it, it got probably bigger than I realized afterwards. So I expect there will be uh, yet another follow-up interview to this. I do think that Manti Teo uh, I'm, I'm shocked at how superficial I must be because I feel like I do take him more seriously now that he has a really good haircut 
and yeah. uh, uh, and, and he's a beard out. He looks like he lost all that baby fat. He's yeah. not taking creatine anymore, probably, so his face isn't quite so puffy. Right. And uh, and he doesn't. <laughs> I feel like you know what it is. Yeah, because of the beard. He still has that kind of confused expression, but it's oh, work. Yeah. It works for him like it works for Keanu Reeves, where I think people mistake it for uh, pensive. Being pensive. Yes. 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 <laughs> being, being thoughtful. Yes. He's so introspective. I mean, my takeaway from it too, from that whole documentary, is he is not an interesting guy. He's just not. No, he's but not he's good looking guy. enough now that he could stand on the beach, stare out at the ocean, and people think he's <laughs> contemplating life. Yes. And yeah. and the universe and his place in it instead right. of just like I wonder what <laughs> yeah <laughs> where do dolphins yeah. sleep at night anyway yeah exactly well actually that's a, that's a valid question, that's yeah. a valid question though that's a valid question it is on the it brings next me podcast. to a, it brings me to another documentary I just watched uh, which is uh, about orcas and okay we'll have to watch that documentary and talk about orcas which are actually not they're called killer whales Drew but they're actually in the dolphin family and uh, they are the scariest by far of the dolphins and or whales or uh, I'd say humans too. They're, they're scary creatures. Yeah. They're, they're making a real comeback right now. It's of the moment. Are they? I don't know. Oh, okay. I, mean, <laughs> no, I don't know. It seems, seems like it. <laughs> seems plausible. People are respecting. We, we can make it happen. I mean, we're not being harpooned. We can make that happen. Yeah. They're not making, being harpooned nearly as often. Okay. We we're going to go a half hour today, but we got excited about Manti and his, um, I think if anything, uh, you and I, at the very least, can claim to be, unlike all these other frauds in the media, uh, people who are actually uh, think l- think a little bit less of Manti even after this documentary, whereas the rest of the world is acting like, oh my gosh, uh, it turns out that yeah. Manti Teo was Jesus Christ himself, and we crucified him. <laughs> we're the Roman soldiers who pinned him to the cross. Yeah, yeah we're thinking the, the right amount, both okay, before good. and after. That's, a, that's what podcasts are for, Drew. At the end of the day... <laughs> Uh, we feel superior to most of these other people. Yeah, our, our, our listeners should feel the lens. same as well. Yes, all of us here right together right now on this podcast, speaking and listening, can hug each other knowing that we're better than everybody else. That's, I bid you adieu. <laughs> likewise, likewise, thank you for validating my views and my ability. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.